0: Testing. All right, here we are, the male gaze, the male yeah. gaze, the male gaze. Yeah, oh. we're we're all big fans of the male gaze here. Uh, speaking of Jim
1: and Condensa, oh, we're recording. Yeah, we're already on. Oh, sorry, I thought I was testing with mouth sounds. Uh, no, I was already rolling. Okay, hey, hey, welcome back to an infinite
0: cast, the podcast this will be coming out midweek. We've been off for like a week and a half now. Maybe no, I put it up like it's, our schedule's been a little off due to travel, but yeah. we're going to try to make it up this week. Yeah. One this Wednesday, probably another one this weekend and then we'll be more or less back on track.
1: Yeah. Great. 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 Any anything else to 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 to
0: No, uh we were we were just bantering off mic about uh our our you know takes that main may to be entered in, pu- in into the public may discourse. may may ent- may to be entered into the public discourse. May not be entered. Uh, but let's get into it and then, uh, we'll talk about more bullshit afterwards.
1: You, uh, I don't think I've said this on, on the mic yet. One of my favorite, uh, line deliveries is in the movie, my best friend's wedding where Julia Roberts plays a food critic, uh, who decides to scam after her, uh, long-term, man friend crush when he gets engaged and she's like flirting in the uh, press box of the a Cubs game, yes. And uh, she's like, she's talking about how she's dancing, and Dermot Mulroney, the guy, is like, "You don't dance." And she goes, "I've got moves you never seen." <laughs> and to that, I say, "I've got bad takes you'll you never, never hear." hear. Yes.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, actually, I do. I do have important show show news update uh, after this. But let's let's. Do oh this shit! Section.
1: Yeah, I, I think I know what you're going to maybe talk y- about. Yes, of but of course, yes, yes, yes. Let's get into it. I think I'm very sorry. I think I remember where I ended, but there might be a little bit of a repeat yes. from last time. Okay, great. But we're. Joelle is reflecting on stuff as Joelle she's cleaning reflects. the um she's cleaning the five woman uh room, room yes. at anet house drug and alcohol recovery house. Joelle scrubbed at the discolored square of fingerprints around the light switch until the wet kleenex disintegrated into gribbles. <laughs> Never trust a man on the subject of his own parents. As tall and basso as a man might be on the outside, he nevertheless sees his parents from the perspective of a tiny child still, and will always. And the unhappier his childhood was, the more arrested will be his perspective on it. She's learned this through sheer experience. Greebles had been her own mother's word for the little bits of sleepy goo you got in your eyes' corners. Her own personal daddy called them eye boogers and used to get them out for her with the twisted corner of his hanky. Though it's not as if you could trust parents on the subject of their memory of their children either. The cheap glass shade over the ceiling's light was black with interior grime and dead bugs. Some of the bugs looked like they might have been from long-extinct species. The loose grime alone filled half an empty carefree box. The more stubborn crud would take a scouring pad and ammonia. Joelle put the shade aside for until she'd shot down to the kitchen to toss out different boxes of crud and wet Kleenex and grab some serious chore-type supplies from under the sink.
0: Joelle is an obsessive cleaner, right? Yes. We, that it was established before. She loves to clean. Well, got to work for, cut out for her here, but you yeah, know, at least I'm it's good sure to make this, herself useful.
1: This might be one of the first times that anyone has cleaned this room. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, Orin had said she was the third neat-nickest person she knew, uh, he knew, after his mom's and a former player he'd played with with obsessive-compulsive disorder, a dual diagnosis with which the UHID membership was rife. But at the time, the import had missed her. At that time, it had never occurred to her that Orin's pull toward her could have had anything either pro or con to do with his mother. Her biggest worry was that Oren was pulled only by what she looked like, which her personal daddy had warned her, the sweetest syrup draws the nastiest flies, (laughs) so to watch out. Oren hadn't been anything like her own personal daddy. When Oren was out of the room, it had never seemed like a relief. When she was home, her own daddy never seemed to be out of the room for more than a few seconds. Her mother said she hardly even tried to talk to him when his pokey was home. He kind of trailed her around from room to room, kind of pathetically, talking batons and low pH chemistry. It was like when she, when, it was like when she exhaled, he inhaled, and vice versa. He <laughs> was all through the house. He was real present at all times. His presence penetrated a room and outlasted him there. Oren's absence, whether for class or practice, emptied the co-op out. The place seemed vacuumed and buffed sterile before the cleaning even started when he went. She didn't feel lonely in the place without him, but she did feel alone what alone was going to feel like and she no one's fool uh which takes us to end note three o five uh it'll vamp I need to turn some pages as we skip the uh uh the jeu depression trend uh oh God, story. yes
0: um okay so uh three three o five how many total footnotes are there uh so we're 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 making our way through it we're making our way downtown through all these. <laughs> Put notes. I'm gonna wait Alright, uh, note
1: 305 just says, uh, she thought then <laughs> as in no one's fool back to the text was erecting fortifications real early into it it was Orin, of, of course, who'd introduced them. He'd had this stubborn idea that himself would want to use her in the work she was too pretty for somebody not to want to arrange, capture, better himself than some weak-chinned academic Joel protested the whole idea. She had a brainy girl's discomfort about her own beauty and its effect on folks, a caution intensified by the repeated warnings of her personal daddy. Even more to the immediate point, her filmic interest lay behind the lens. She'd do the capturing, thank you very much. <laughs> she wanted to make things, not appear on them. She had a student filmmaker's vague disdain for actors. Worst, uh, Oren's idea's real project was developmentally obvious. He thought he could somehow get to his father through her. That he pictured himself having weighty, steeple-fingered conversations with the man, Joel's appearance and performance, the subjects. A three-way bond. It made her real uneasy. She theorized that Oren unconsciously wished her to mediate between himself and himself, just as it sounded like his mother had. She w- <laughs> Is
0: that himself and then capital, capital himself? Capital H-I-M.
1: Oh, okay, uh, doesn't matter if you love him or capital H-I-M-S-E-L-F. <laughs> <laughs> you were... We're born this way, baby. You were just, you were just this infinite baby. Uh, <laughs> she was uneasy about the excited way Orin predicted that his father wouldn't be able to resist using her. She was extra uneasy about how Orin referred to his father as himself. It seemed painfully blatant, developmental arrest wise. Plus, she felt, only a little less than she made it sound on the futon at night protesting, she'd felt uneasy at the prospect of any sort of connection with the man who had hurt Orrin. so, a man so monstrously tall and cold and remotely hidden. Joelle heard a howl and crash from the kitchen, followed by McDade's tubercular laugh. Twice, Charlotte Treat sat up in sleep, glistening with fever, and said in a flat, dead voice something that sounded for all the world like trances in which she did not breathe and then fell back out. (laughs) Joelle was trying to pin down a queer, rancid cinnamon smell that came from the back of a closet stuffed with luggage. It was especially hard to clean when you weren't supposed to be allowed to touch any other resident's stuff. She might have known from the work. The man's work was amateurish, she'd seen, when Oren had had his brother, the unretarded one, lend them some of the mad stork's read-only copies. Was amateurish the right word? More like the work of a brilliant optician and technician who was an amateur at any kind of real communication. Technically gorgeous, the work, with lighting and angles planned out to the frame, but oddly hollow, empty, no real sense of dramatic towardness, no narrative movement toward a real story, no emotional movement toward an audience. Like conversing with a prisoner through that plastic screen using phones, the upperclassman Molly Notkin had said of Incandenza's early (laughs) oeuvre joelle thought them more uh, like a very smart person conversing with himself she thought of the significance of the moniker himself cold prenuptial agreement of heaven and hell mordant sophisticated campy hip cynical technically mind-bending but cold amateurish hidden no risk of empathy with the job-like protagonist whom she felt like the audience was induced to regard like somebody sitting atop a dunk tank the lampoons of inverted genres, archly funny and sometimes insightful, but with something provisional about them, like the finger exercises of someone promising who refused to really sit down and play something to test that promise. Even as an undergrad, Joel had been convinced that paradists were no better than camp followers in ironic masks. Satires, is usually the work of people with nothing new themselves to say, which takes us to EndNote 306. Some of her and Jim's best arguments had been over the connotations of everybody's a critic, <laughs> which Jim had liked to repeat with all different shades and pitches of ironic double-edge. I've, I've been saying that's one of my phrases I'd like to bring back. Everyone's a critic. Everyone's a critic. Uh,
0: so I guess the ironic indication there is that he himself is a critic?
1: Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. 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 Um, The Medusa versus the Otolisk, cold, elusive, inbent, hostile. The only feeling for the audience, one of contempt. The meta-audience in the film's theater presented as objects long before they turned to blind stone. But there had been flashes of something else, even in the early Irv. Before, sorry, I can't help myself. Before himself made the leap to narratively anti-confluential but unironic melodrama, she helped prolong the arc of, where he dropped the technical fireworks and tried to make characters move, however inconclusively, and showed courage, abandoned everything he did well, and willingly took the risk of appearing amateurish, which he had. (laughs) But even in the early work, flashes of something, very hidden and quick, almost furtive. She noticed them only when alone, watching, without Oren and his rheostats dimmer. The, lighti- the living room's lights up high like she liked them, like to see herself and everything else in the room with the viewer. Oren liked to sit in the dark and enter what he watched, his jaw slackening, a child raised on multi-channel cable TV. But Joelle began on repeated viewing, whose original purpose was to study how the man had blocked out scenes for an advanced storyboard course she went the extra click in, she began to see little flashes of something. The MVO's quick, uh, three quick cuts to the sides of the gorgeous combatants' faces, twisted, beyond, uh, twisted past recognition with some kind of torment. Each cut to a flash, a pained face, had followed the crash of a petrified spectator toppling over in her chair. Three split seconds, no more, of glimpses of facial pain. And not pain at wounds, they never touched each other, whirling with mirrors and blades. The defenses of both were impenetrable. More like as if what their beauty was doing to those drawn to watch it ate them alive up there on stage, the flashes seemed to suggest. But just three flashes, each almost subliminally quick. Accidents? But not one shot or cut in the whole queer cold film was accidental. The thing was clearly S-boarded frame by frame. Must have taken hundreds of hours. Astounding technical anality. Joelle kept trying to pause the cartridge on the flashes of facial torment, but these were the early days of interlaced cartridges, and the pause still distorted the screen just enough to keep her from seeing what she wanted to study. Plus, she got the creepy feeling the man had upped the film speed in these few-frame human flashes to thwart just such study. It was like he couldn't help putting human flashes in, but he wanted to get them in as quickly and unstudiably as possible as if they compromised him somehow. Oren and Condenza had been only the second boy ever to approach her in a male-female way. <laughs> which takes us to EndNote 307. Joel Van Dyne and Oren and Condenza each remember themselves as the original approchee. It's unclear which, if either's memory, is accurate, though it's noteworthy that this is one of only two times Oren per- has perceived himself as the approchee, the other being the Swiss hand model on whose nude flank he's been furiously tracing infinity signs all during the moment subject's absence. Um, back to the text. The first had been shiny chinned and half blind on Everclear punch, an all-Kentucky lineman for the Shiny Prize biting shoats team back in Shiny Prize, Kentucky, at a cookout to which the boosters had invited the pep and baton girls, and the lineman had looked like a little shy boy as he confessed, by way of apologizing for almost splashing her when he threw up that she was just too goddamn all petrifyingly pretty to approach any other way but liquored up all past horror. Uh, the lineman confessed the whole team's paralyzing horror of the prettiness of Varsity Pep's top twirler, Joel. Orrin confessed to his private nickname for her. The Pea Goat, I assume. The prettiest girl of all time. Remember? Okay, yes, 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 yes. I feel like that's not something you share. That's weird. That's just me. The memory of that high school afternoon remained real strong. She could smell the mesquite smoke and the blue pines and the yard guard spray. Hear the squeals of the stock they butchered and cleaned in symbolic prep for the opener against the N Paducah Technical High School Rivermen. She He's could, uh, just
0: squeezing in every single Kentucky cliche yeah. possible. Yeah. He, he, everything the but big, the bluegrass. Yeah, the big book of Kentucky cliches.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, she could st- still see. Actually, wait, did he say bluegrass? I'm sure he has at some point. Blue pines, not bluegrass. She could still see the swooning lineman, wet-lipped and confessing, keeping himself upright against an immature blue pine until the blue pine's trunk finally gave with a snap and (laughs) crash. Until the cookout and confession, she'd somehow thought it was her own personal daddy somehow, discouraging dates and male-female approaches. The whole thing had been queer and lonely until she'd been approached by Orin, who made no secret of the fact that he had balls of unrejectable steel where horrifyingly pretty girls were concerned. But it wasn't even the subjective identification she felt, watching, she felt, somehow, for the flashes and seeming non-sex, non seeks, S-E-Q-S, that betrayed yeah, something... Assumed, like non non-sequiturs. non-sequiturs. That betrayed something more than cold, hip, technical abstraction. Like, e.g., the 242nd, motionless, low-angle shot of John Lorenzo Bernini's Ecstasy of St. Teresa.
0: Uh, which I saw recently.
1: Which you saw. Y- which, yes, ground prenuptials, dramatic dr- movement to an annoying halt, and added nothing that a 15 or 30 second still shot wouldn't have added just as well. But on the fifth or sixth reviewing, Joel started to see the film was from the alcoholic sandwich bag salesman's POV, <laughs> which takes us to uh, a note 308 point of view. Yeah, sure. Sure, thank you. Thank you. Back to the text. Uh, and the alcoholic sandwich bag salesman, or rather his head, was on screen every moment, even when split screened against the Titanic Celestial Marathon seven-card stud with tarot cards game. His rolling eyes and temples dense and rosary of upper lip sweat was imposed non stop on the screen and viewer, except for the four narrative minutes the alcoholic sandwich bag salesman stood in the Vittorio's Bernini room, and the climactic statue filled the screen and pressed against all four edges. The statue, the sensuous presence of the thing, let the alcoholic sandwich bag salesman escape himself. His tiresome, ubiquitous, involuted head, she saw, was the thing. The four minutes still shot Maybe wasn't just a heavy art gesture or audience-hostile herring. Freedom from one's own head, one's inescapable POV. Joel started to see here, oblique to the point of being hidden, an emotional thrust, since the mediated transcendence of self was just what the apparently decadent statue of the orgasmic nun claimed for itself as subject. Here then, after studious and admittedly kind of boring review, was an unironic, almost moral thesis to the campy, abstract, mordant cartridge. The film's climactic statue's stasis presented the theoretical subject as the emotional effect, self-forgetting as the grail, and in a covert gesture, almost moralistic, Joelle thought as she glanced at the room-lit screen, very high, mouth writhing as she cleaned, presented the self-forgetting of alcohol as inferior to that of religion slash art. Since the consumption of bourbon made the salesman's head progressively swell horrendously until by the film's end, its dimensions exceeded the frame and he had a nasty and humiliating time squeezing it through the front door of the Vittorio. I see what he's doing here. He is doing cocaine grad school syntax yes that is someone who is uh uh or is she an undergrad she's an undergrad at that, uh, at that this point. is someone who is steep in steep in academia and high on stimulants and so she simply won't shut up about this frame about the moralistic oh, uh, framing of this yes. oh this is very um uh pt anderson and tarantino yep. in the screening room with fiona apple <laughs> yes exactly but she is fiona apple and, and pt P. T. Anderson, anderson and tarantino Mm, it didn't much matter once she'd met the whole family anyhow though the work and reviewings were just an inkling usually felt on the small manageable bits of coke that helped her see deeper harder and so maybe not even objectively accessible in the work itself a lower belly intuition that the punter's hurt take on his father was limited and arrested and maybe unreal with Joelle make and stone-sober and hair up in a sloppy knot, the introductory supper with Oren and himself at Legal Seafood uh, legal in, Seafood in Brookline, which takes us to end 309, in the Chestnut Hills Shopping Center on Boylston slash Route 9, which the ETA A-Squad staggers past several times a week on runs. A chain, but a very top shelf and fine one. And the Brookline legal puts on a particularly fine marine spread. And the Boniface seemed to know Dr. Incandenza and called him by name and brought him a double bonded without being asked.
0: You've eat, surely eaten at legal seafood. I've never
1: eaten at legal seafood. Can uh, you believe it? I can't have believe you?
0: it. Of course I have. Would Not have? of course, but I, I have. What you have? Shrimp? I think I had some chowder. Mm. Chowder. Um, and then from there, I don't remember. This was a while ago, but I've certainly eaten there. I might was have it ju- a tra-
1: was it was when Trapo played.
0: Uh, I don't think so. It might have been when I was like young with my mom, like the time she took me to tour Harvard mm-hmm. when I was twelve. <laughs>
1: I, I know. Did I know that?
0: I don't know. I've I've certainly not mentioned it on the show before. Oh, but yeah, we went no, to like that's on a, too
1: that's too soon, man. I know.
0: We went on a tour to Boston. We did like a bunch of Boston sightseeing. But like one of the th- sites that she wanted to see was like a tour of Harvard campus I mean, when I, I was like very like very young.
1: I've never been, but I know it's a, it's a beautiful you know like yeah, it looks fine. That's in its own right. But
0: There's just a statue of the guy there, and you rub his foot. It's fine. <laughs> but it was very much. Like, oh, this is, it was like both like, oh, this is one of the like top sites of Boston. And then also like, and also one of the best schools in the country. And maybe one day you'll go there. Maybe one day It's like less go. than 10, probably.
1: Stressful. I mean, to to be perfectly honest, I, when I was a, um, at least in like single digits, the first time I found out what college was, I'm like, the only college I knew was Harvard. So I'm like, well, I'm going well, to well, Harvard today. Harvard, Harvard is college, mm-hmm. but oh, well. Uh, I guess I could still go. Like Elle Woods. I could go to law school. Harvard Law. Uh, Legal Seafood up in Brookline betrayed nothing much at all, save that the director seemed more than able to resist using Joelle in any capacity. She saw the tall man slump and cringe when Oren told him the pea goat majored in F and C. It takes us to end note 310. Jargon, film slash cartridge studies. <laughs> Back to the text. Jim told her later she'd seem too conventionally commercially pretty to consider using in any of that period's work part of whose theoretical project was to militate against received U.S. commercial prettiness conventions (laughs) and that Oren was so tense in himself's presence that there wasn't room for any other real emotion at the table, Oren gradually beginning to fill up silences with more and faster nonstop blather until both Joel and Jim were embarrassed at the fact that the punter hadn't touched his steamed grouper or given anyone else space for a word of reply. Jim later told Joel that he simply didn't know how to speak with either of his undamaged sons without their mother's presence and mediation. Oren could not be made to shut up, and Hal was so completely shut down in Jim's presence that the silences were excruciating. Do you remember uh, Jim taking Hal to, like, a com- uh, he pretended to be a professional conversationalist? conversationalist, yes. Jim said he suspected he and Mario were so easy with each other only because the boy had been too damaged and arrested even to speak until he was six so that both he and Jim had got a chance to become comfortable in mutual silence, though Mario did have an interest in lenses and film that had nothing to do with fathers or needs to please, so that the interest was something truly to share, the two of them, and even when Mario was allowed to work crew on some of Jim's later work, it was without any of the sort of pressures to interact or bond via film that there'd been with Orrin and Hal and Tennis, at which Jim, Orrin informed her, had been a late-blooming junior but a top collegian, Jim referred to the works of various films as entertainments. He did this ironically about half the time. In the cab that Jim had hailed for them on the way back home from legal seafood, Oren had beaten his fine forehead against the plastic partition and wept that he couldn't seem to communicate with himself without his mother's presence and mediation. It wasn't clear how the moms mediated or facilitated communication between different family members, he said, but she did. He didn't have one fucking clue how himself felt about his abandoning a decade's tennis for punting, Orrin wept, or about Oren's being truly great at it, at something, finally. Was he proud, <laughs> or jealously threatened, or judgmental that Orrin had quit tennis, or what? The five women's room's mattresses were too skinny for their frames, and the rims of the frames between the slats were appallingly clotted with dust, and with female hair entwined and involved in the dust, so that it took one Kleenex just to wet the stuff down, several dry ones to wipe the muck out. Charlotte Treat had been too sick to shower for days, and her frame and slats were hard to be near. At Joelle's first interface with the whole sad family unit, Thanksgiving, Headmaster's House, ETA, straight up ComAv, and Enfield. I love that they keep saying where these things are with like new characters. Yeah. It's like, we know! <laughs> <laughs> it's up ComAv! <laughs> Jesus! uh Oren's mom's miss- Mrs Mrs Incondenza please do call me Avril Joel had been gracious and warm and attentive without obtruding and worked unobtrusively hard to put everyone at ease and to facilitate communication and to make Joel feel like a welcomed and esteemed part of the family gathering and something about the woman made every follicle on Joel's body pucker and distend it wasn't that Everlyn Condenza was one of the tallest women Joelle had ever seen, and definitely the tallest, pretty, older woman with immaculate posture. Dr. Condenza slumped something awful she'd ever met. It wasn't that her syntax was so artless and fluid and imposing, nor the near-sterile cleanliness of the home's downstairs. The bathroom's toilet seemed not only scrubbed but waxed to a high shine. Oh, I would love... Do you ever fantasize about a clean toilet? Like a, a cl- the world's cleanest toilet. Like a brand toilet. new toilet. Yeah, the, the world's cleanest toilet. Toilet that's never been used. I don't know, I just think it's a tragedy that, that toilets can't ever become fully clean. Yeah, it's true. Always be using them. And the stuff that goes inside. Anyway. Ooh, and it wasn't that Avril's graciousness was in any conventional way fake. It took a long time for Joelle even to start to put a finger on what gave her the howling fantods about Oren's mother. The dinner itself... No turkey, some politico-familial in-joke about no turkey on Thanksgiving, was delicious without being grandiose. They didn't even sit down to eat until 2300 hours. Avril drank champagne out of a little fluted glass whose level somehow never went down. Dr. Incondenza, no invitation to call him Jim, she noticed, drank at a tri-faceted tumbler of something that made the air above it shimmer slightly. <laughs> Avril put everyone at ease. A Warren,
0: tri-faceted tumbler?
1: Like a like a like triangle, a triangular
0: shaped? tumbler. Yes,
1: I think I see it in my mind. Rotating it in my mind. Oren did credible impressions of famous figures. He and Little Hal made dry fun of Avril's Canadian pronunciation of certain diphthongs. Avril and Doctor Condenza took turns cutting up Mario's salmon. Joel had a weird half vision of Avril hiking her knife up hilt first and plunging it into Joel's breast. Hal and Condenza. And two other lopsidedly muscular boys from the tennis school ate like refugees and were regarded with gentle amusement. Avril dabbed her mouth in a patrician way after every bite. Joelle wore girl clothes, her dress's neckline very high. Hal and Oren looked vaguely alike. Avril directed every fourth comment to Joelle to include her. <laughs> Oren's brother Mario was stunted and complexly deformed. There was a spotless dog. There was a spotless doggy dish under the table, but no dog, and no mention was ever made of a dog. To well noticed Avril also directed every fourth comment to Oren, Hal, and Mario, like a cycle of even inclusion. There was New York white and Albertan champagne. Doctor Incandesca drank. Albertan. Albertan, like Alberta, like the, like Canada. I guess. You know, like Albertan separ- far-rightists? Yeah. Like a thing? Can they make champagne in Alberta? Probably not very good. <laughs> uh, if, if, you're, if you live in Alberta, let the us know if there's good. Albertan champagne. Let me know if I'm being rude. Um, I just, you don't think of Canada as being wine country, period, you know? No. Uh, only with give it, climate Give it a change. few decades. Yeah. Ooh. Dr. Incandenza drank his drink instead of wine and got up several times to freshen his drink in the kitchen. A massive hanging garden behind Avril's and Hal's captain's chairs cut complex shadows into the UV light that made the table's candles glow a weird bright blue. The director was so tall, he seemed to rise forever when he rose with his tumbler. <laughs> Joelle had the queerest, indefensible feeling that Avril wished her ill. She kept feeling different areas of hair stand up. Everybody please and thank you in a way that was sheer Yankee wasp. After his second trip to the kitchen, Dr. Incondenza molded his twice-baked potatoes into an intricate, futuristic cityscape <laughs> and suddenly started to discourse animatedly on the 1946 breakup of Hollywood's monolithic studio system and the subsequent rise of the a- method actors Brando, Dean, Clift, et al., arguing for a causal connection. His voice was mid-range and mild and devoid of accent. Oren's moms had to be over two meters tall, way taller than Joel's own personal daddy. Joel could somehow tell Avril was the sort of female who'd been ungainly as a girl and then blossomed, and but who'd only become really beautiful later in life, like 35. She decided Dr. Incandenza looked like an ecologically poisoned crane, she told him later. <laughs> Mrs. incondenza put everyone at ease. Joel imagined her with a conductor's baton. She never did tell Jim that Oren called him the mad or sad stork. The whole Thanksgiving table inclined very subtly toward Avril, very slightly and subtly, like heliotropes. (laughs) Joelle found herself doing it too, the inclining. Dr. Incandenza kept shading his eyes from the UV plant light in a gesture that resembled a salute. Avril referred to her plants as her green babies. At some point, out of nowhere, little Hal Incandenza, maybe 10, announced that the basic unit of luminous intensity is the candela, candela, which he defined for no one in particular as the luminous intensity of one uh, out of 600,000 of a square meter of a cavity at the freezing temperature of platinum. All of the table's males wore coats and ties. The larger of Hal's two tennis partners passed out dental stimulators, and no one made fun of him. I think this would be, not struck, um, shacked. Okay. The the dental stimulators? I don't, like um tongue scrapers, tongue scrapers. Would, would this be? Would this align with the time that tongue scrapers got really big? Maybe. I don't know if you remember that from like a year and Not a half ago. Really. Mm. Mario's grin seemed both obscene and sincere. Hal, whom Joel wasn't crazy about, kept asking, "Wasn't anybody going to ask him the freezing temperature of platinum?" <laughs> Joel and Doctor Incandenza found themselves in a small conversation about Bazen? Bazin. Bazin? a film theorist himself detested, making a tormented face at the name. Joël intrigued the optical scientist and director by explaining Bazin's disparagement of self-conscious directorial expression as historically connected to the neo-Thomist realism of the personalists, an ascetic school of great influence over French Catholic intellectuals circa 1930 to 1940. Many of Bazin's (laughs) teachers had been eminent personalists. Avril encouraged Joël to describe rural Kentucky Horne Oral, Oral did a long impression of late uh, pop astronomer Carl Sagan expressing televisual awe at the Cosmos scale. H- are you familiar with uh, Sagan's... Uh, Sagan's Cosmos? Of course. W- if if I said the words billions and billions, would you be able to do an impression? Uh, I don't know if I can impress... If, I, j- impress I just don't know this. how to say it, so I'll just say it regular. Billions and billions, he said. <laughs> billions and billions. billions. I imagine, and billions. you know, it's like yeah. the kind of... Uh, yeah. The
0: space equivalent of the David Attenborough um, Planet Earth. Yeah. The phrase yeah, I always take from uh, Planet Earth is, this can be seen from space.
1: Seen from space. In a, in a cluster that can be seen from space. Uh, in the voice of Sagan. Uh, Avril and Hal had a brief good-natured argument about whether the term circa could modify an interval or only a specific year. Then Howe As for several <laughs> examples of something called haplology. Joel kept fighting urges to slap the sleek little show offy kid upside the head so hard his bow tie would spin. The universe, or condi- it continued long after the wit had worn thin.
0: This is probably like what I was like as a kid.
1: Uh, me, me too, to a certain extent. Cold, immense, incredibly universal. The subjects of tennis, baton twirling, and punting never came up. <laughs> Organized sports were never once mentioned. We got another like page and a half.
0: By the okay, way. great. Sorry, just trying to pull up a, oh, a video.
1: Uh, Joel noticed that nobody seemed to look directly at Doctor Incandenza except her. <laughs> a curious, flabby white memorial dome covered part of the academy's grounds outside the li- dining windows, dining room's window. It would be the lung. <laughs> it's the lung. It's, it's up. It's, it's up the by lung. Thanksgiving. Must,
0: yeah. Yes.
1: Mario plunged his special fork into Dr. Incandenza's potato cityscape to general applause and certain grating puns on the term deconstruction from the insufferable (laughs) Hal kid. Everyone's teeth were dazzling in the candlelight and UV. Hal wiped Mario's snout, which seemed to run continuously. Avril invited Joelle, by all means, to make a Thanksgiving call home to her family in rural Kentucky, if she wished. Oren said the mom's was herself originally from rural Quebec. Joel was on her seventh glass of wine. Oren's fingering his half-Windsor kept looking more and more like a signal to somebody. <laughs> Avril urged Doctor and Condensa to find a way to include Joelle in a production, since she was both a film student and now a heartily welcome honorary addition to the family. Mario, reaching for the salad, fell out of his chair and was helped up by one of the tennis players amid much hilarity. Mario's deformities Are seemed... the tennis
0: players part of this dinner or are they just serving or, like, working it?
1: No, I think they're. I think they're eating. Okay, I'm great. guessing it's. If I'm pretty sure, shacked his. Par- Do you recall? There was a while ago where it was like they were talking about certain ETA kids whose parents oh, would yes, yes, not yes. even like slow down before uh, like when they like got out of the off. car. Yeah, and I'm assuming it's uh, the, those two people. Uh, Mario's deformities seemed wide ranging and hard to name. Joel decided he looked like a cross between a puppet and one of the big-headed carnivores from Spielberg's old special effects orgies about reptiles.
0: (laughs) Is he referring to Jurassic Park? I think
1: so. Hal and Avril hashed out whether misspoke was a bona fide word. Dr. Incondenza's tall, narrow head kept inclining toward his plate and then slowly rising back up in a way that was either meditative or tipsy. (laughs) Deformed Mario's broad smile was so constant, you could have hung things from the corners of it. In a fake Southern Belle accent that was clearly no jab at Joelle, more like a Scarlet O'Hara accent, Avril said she did declare that Albertan champagne always gave her the vapors. <laughs> Joelle noticed that pretty much everybody at the table was smiling broadly and constantly, eyes shiny in the plant's odd light. She was doing it herself too, she noticed. Her cheek muscles were starting to ache. Hal's larger friend kept pausing to use his dental stimulator. Nobody else was using their dental stimulator, but everyone held one politely, as if getting ready to use it. Hal and the two friends made odd, spasmic, one-handed squeezing motions periodically. No one seemed to notice. <laughs> From the tennis balls. Yeah. Not once in Oren's presence did anyone mention the word tennis. He had been up half the previous night vomiting with anxiety. <laughs> now he challenged Hal to name the freezing point of platinum. Joelle couldn't for the life of her remember either of the names of poor old Spielberg's old computer-enhanced celluloid dinosaur things, though her own daddy would personally taken her to each one. At some point... So or- this,
0: uh, that really uh, marks the publication of this between Jura- Jurassic Park The Lost World and Jurassic Park 3. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, it's on his mind possibly uh he he went to it during the writing of it was like i
0: I wonder if with each subsequent edition he would uh, continue the one thing that i need to add is that another jurassic park movie
1: came out (laughs) uh at some point orin's father got up to go freshen his drink and never returned just before dessert which was on fire orin's moms had asked whether they could perhaps all join hands secularly for a moment and simply be grateful for all being together she made a special point of asking Joelle to include her hands in the handholding. Joelle held Oren's hand and Hal's smaller friend's hand, which was so calloused up, it felt like some sort of rind. <laughs> Dessert was Cherry's Jubilee with gourmet New Brunswick ice cream. Mm. Mm. What is, what's Cherry's Jubilee? It's on fire, I maybe. guess it's like
0: a ch- cherries with like, probably like a liqueur or something. Yeah.
1: Flambe cherries. Yeah, flambe Doctor cherries. Dr. Incondenza's absence from the table went unmentioned, almost unnoticed, it seemed. Both Hal and his non-stimulating friend uh, pleaded for Kahlua, and Mario flapped pathetically at the tabletop in imitation. Avril made a show of gazing at Oren in mock horror as he produced a cigar and clipper. There was also a blancmange.
0: A blancmange. A blancmange.
1: Yeah. What's that? Uh, I think it's like some kind
0: of a uh, what? God damn it! What is that stuff that um like it's like whipped sugar uh, dessert thing? Mer- it's like a meringue. It's like a meringue. Yeah, Yum. I know that there, there's a whole um, Monty Python sketch from I believe the first flying circus season <laughs> about about giant uh, about giant al- aliens in the shape of giant Blamanges attacking uh, some town in in um.
1: I wish you could see this if you're listening to the in, podcast. Uh, it's like a gelatinous like milk milk jello It's like milk jello. Yeah, milk jello. Bla- blancmange. The coffee was decaf with chicory. When Joel looked over again, Orrin had put his cigar away without lighting it. The dinner ended in a kind of explosion of goodwill. Joel felt half crazed. She could detect nothing fake about the lady's grace and cheer toward her, the goodwill, and at the same time felt sure in her guts pit that the woman could have sat there and cut out Joel's pancreas and thymus and minced them and prepared sweetbreads and eaten them chilled and patted her mouth without batting an eye, and unremarked by all who leaned her way. On the way back home, in a cab whose company's phone number Hal had summoned from memory, Oren hung his leg over Joel's cross legs and said that if anybody could have been counted on to see that the stork needed to use Joel somehow, it was the moms. It, he asked Joel twice how she'd liked her. Joel's cheek muscles ached something awful. When they got back to the Brownstone co-op on that last pre-subsidized Thanksgiving was the first historical time Joel intentionally did lines of cocaine to keep from sleeping. Oren couldn't ingest anything during the season, even if he wanted to. BU's major sport teams tested randomly. So Joelle was awake at 0400, cleaning back behind the refrigerator for the second time, when Oren cried out in the nightmare she'd somehow felt should have been hers.
0: Wow. Uh, I should have known that among the uh, the the uh litany of tedious horrors that this book presents one of them would be a a particularly excruciating uh family thanksgiving dinner dinner that you of not your family yes uh perfect inclusion in fact when you were i'm sure when he was brainstorming like you know set pieces to include in this from the very beginning he was probably like we'll got to do a thanksgiving dinner
1: yeah i mean especially Uh, you know avril's canadian canadian thanksgiving is different than regular Thanksgiving, so it's almost like a foreign, it's you know, a, yeah, a foreign, a foreign dignitary has deigned, has to, deigned to do
0: a It's it's
1: perfect. You know what salmon, this reminds me of? Yes. I don't, I don't, I don't want to throw too much shade, but uh, I did my my college boyfriend's family. I would describe as more waspish than not. Yes. Uh, or had wasp vibes. The kind of family that, you know, let once you turn, like, a senior in high school, they let you have wine with dinner because, uh, mm. you know, you might as well get started tasting
0: it. Look, I, f- I, I definitely come from that milieu, but I'm glad to... I'm very proud uh, and happy to come from... Ev- oh, God, look at that, guys. This is Wimbledon. Look at that fucking British mustache-ass bitch. <laughs> uh, okay, I, I'm bro. very happy to for my... Uh, uh, at least... Um, culturally catholic background to sand off some of that
1: yeah you don't have the um you have the white and the anglo-saxon but not the protestant yes exactly uh wask wask is was. that anything wask yeah uh uh my my ex's father we we went out to dinner once and he said he ordered a martini and said to the waiter uh i'm not afraid of vermouth <laughs> like things like that where I'm just like wow you have a lot of swag that comes from having m- money and like existing in a society that you like kind of know what the rules are yeah. so everything from like the cutesy like salmon instead of turkey mm-hmm. like the, the the drinks the avril like including you know d- rotating inclusion of conversation yeah. where Understand everything is, gave it, you where everything is
0: polite but it's not actually nice
1: yeah it's exactly yes and then also lit by this harsh UV light. Right. Yes, the, that the, God, the that babies, awful. the green baby. Like that ruins it. It sounds like a freaking dentist office. Yeah, there, it is. man. With the
0: dentist, with the, dental scrapers. The, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very clinical. Yeah, which yeah. goes back
1: to Joel just had a. a did you, you ever have any about
0: ex- teeth? Did you? Did you? That's true. Did you ever have any uh, experiences with that guy's family?
1: Um. No. None. Bad. None. Bad. They were perfectly nice, but I definitely felt I felt a bit out of my depth. I had to. Uh, i <laughs> afraid of vermouth. I'm not afraid of I just like, I was like, oh, wow, that's swagged out.
0: crawl off my body.
1: Oh, I, I, I he would. <laughs> you found it charming? It was, it was, tra- it it was charming. Man, I'm not uh not afraid of vermouth. Definitively, I would say. Uh,
0: when I order, that's, if I order, honestly, though, if I order martinis for the booth, for the both of us, I'm going to try to get in the habit of saying, I'll take two, uh, two gin mart- martinis, one bone dry, and the lady's not afraid of a little vermouth.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm also, I was going to say, I'm also not afraid of pickle juice either. <laughs> 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 um, you got you know any brine? Y'all got any brine back, back there? Y'all got any brine back there? Yeah, no. My, if we're being perfectly honest, my ideal martini is gigantic- uh, equal, almost equal parts of vodka and vermouth, and then almost double that of brine, and then throw in like four blue cheese stuffed olives in there.
0: You want your you want a drinkable salad?
1: I want a drinkable salad. I want a piquant. Uh, I want some ice
0: cold mm, gin with the uh with the, faint, sounds good. with the whisper of vermouth.
1: Should we go get a martini after this?
0: Uh, sure. Mm. Um, I love
1: a martini. Uh, anyway, uh, no, no bad experiences, but a a lot of um you know i didn't i didn't order an appetizer with dinner until like college <laughs> like <laughs> and like went out with like my college friend's mom and that that was like the first time i was like oh we get cocktails before the meal and wine with dinner and we get we're ordering an appetizer. Is this allowed? <laughs> and then of course you order the che- cheapest salad on the on the thing to like not you know yeah. draw attention to yourself. Anyway, and, uh, it's Where well, yeah, the mom awkward.
0: orders, I'll have the uh, the lobster croquettes. Yeah. or whatever.
1: <laughs> Can I get the beef tartar stuffed with um you know uh, pate? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The pat tart tart tar pate ducking. <laughs> the tarpat. <laughs> the tar- Can I get a, an order of tarpat extra tar-pat bread? Days? Yes, of course. <laughs> Honestly, wait, I I was joking, but. What about a, a symphony, a symphony of uh, of terrines and just like little <laughs> slabs of pate, beef tartare? Oh, I'm thinking
0: like uh uh Napoleon ice cream. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but they're just pate tartare. Wait, and we uh, need
1: one. We need one more like like liver savory. Um, oh shit! There, well, there riette, is, salmon rillettes. Oh side Yeah. Go, yeah. Uh, it was the salmon
0: mousse. That's another Monty Python re- reference.
1: Uh, cross cross class dining is intense, it's stressful. Yeah, I'm sure Joel le- learned a bunch in a short period of time. But she's from Shiny Prize, Kentucky.
0: Yes. Um. So I'm just trying to link back last week's segment to this and think of it uh, as a unified whole. Mm. I mean, I think I'm trying to because it started with her r- recalling Don, and and evincing a a. Miss for it that she misses yeah she
1: him. yeah, she has a little crush on Don,
0: and so you know that is the link between this long and uh you know increasingly traumatic recollection mm-hmm. of her experience with the incandenses, yeah um that and yeah' I reflecting think, so
1: about her, you know she's in the Ennett house, cleaning, and she's doing the exact same thing she did when she was high, but now she's not high, high anymore. anymore, and so you she's could like think of perhaps these high it, memories it, the the bad experience or the The shitty Incandenza experience, perhaps, you know, you wouldn't want to blame it on your cocaine use, but it certainly didn't help.
0: Maybe, interestingly, the whole segment moves from a point of familiarity to, like, most uh, alienation, you know, because it goes with her thinking about Don, somebody who she is genuinely friendly with Mm -hmm. and perhaps would like to be more, uh, to a recollection of Jim, Mm -hmm. Jim, and by the end, she is referring to him as you know uh him almost exclusively as himself himself or she at she one point like,
1: the punter's father the punter's father yeah. right
0: it kind it kind of reverses through her stages of in, intimacy with mm-hmm. him yeah uh, as she recollects or rather describes the most intimate or the more intimate of moments uh, among the things she said because mostly in the beginning segment i feel like she's just talking about the stuff she talked to him about yeah.
1: right yeah i mean it is interesting her suggesting that Oren brings you know what wants to put her in Jim's pictures because he thinks that's going to connect them, them but it's them like closer. you you idiot obviously it's not he if he's going to do it it's going to have nothing to do with you at all
0: uh, yeah i was trying to think of like what what form of um uh what is it El- the electress for women what form of um wait what the what for women like electra syndrome you could kill your dad thing
1: oh um Edipus.
0: Yeah. What kind what form of edible urge is, uh, yeah, is wanting to have a three way with your, with your dad? Yeah. yeah
1: on uh, a, a porno, really, yeah, if you think it about really it. Is. The camera's involved.
0: Not a lot of male father son themed pornos. <laughs> <laughs> like, not, that not A lot, aware. lot of like stepmom, stepdaughter, but I n- will be your father, father figure. Yeah.
1: Well, that's the thing. You, it's, you can't, it can't be, uh, can't be father son. It's got to be. It's got to have a, st- a step relationship to make it not weird. To make it not weird. <laughs> to make it, of course, to make it not weird. To make it less weird. It's not weird, weird if, it's, if it's like that, yes. <laughs> oh, God. What is there anything else? What What else is there to say? Uh,
0: I feel like we covered a lot of the setup for this last week, so we m- more just get, like, yeah. grisly details during this. I, mean, I like more- her her yeah. disdain for the Hal's precociousness, even though from everything we know from him, he can't really help it.
1: Yeah, it see. It seems at least the picture of baby Hal shows the kind of decline of him being in person at all. Like it sounds like he he no longer try, like there was a scene a while ago where his mom was like trying to draw him out of like mm-hmm. say, you know saying memorize passages from the Oxford English Dictionary and he would like begrudgingly do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, the the zest has been knocked out of him a it, little
0: bit. I also find it funny that about how hey there he is Samuel Jackson Samuel Jackson, Jackson. like a million look at those glasses damn glasses are great. Right. If, if you're wondering, we're watching watching
1: Wimbledon Wimbledon
0: Wimbledon the the, the majestic Wimbledon. <laughs> uh, yes, um, I, I found that bit interesting about uh, Jim actually being able to connect with Mario because Mario has a level of simplicity where he. Wants to engage with film purely on the level of filmmaking and not for any kind of like father son bonding experience. Yeah,
1: which is like that's like the ultimate. Well, dream. that's kind of like a
0: father fantasy, right? Where it's like you don't have to deal with the, uh, like you and your son can just like go fix the car in the garage, not to bond, but because you both like fixing cars. You just
1: the car needs to be fixed. And yeah, some, exactly. Someone's got to do it. Yeah, there's yeah. a certain
0: level of like classic, like like.
1: Father-son. Father-son like, fantasy in that. Yeah. If,
0: like, if only you could just engage with something as equals, really, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And have a yeah a, co- a common, like, neutral interest. The The thing that says that to me is that, yeah, they never talk about tennis at all, even though their entire, like, life, life is, is built, built around they it. They're
0: literally having dinner at a tennis They're academy. They're having
1: dinner, dinner at the headmaster's uh, It'd house. It would be funny to be
0: in that situation and just be like, so so what are y'all's favorite parts of tennis? The
1: back end? Yeah. Well, because, you know, obviously, as we've read for the rest of this book, uh, someone like a shtit or a delint or whatever can talk all fucking day about tennis. The, the,
0: yes, the beautiful game. And
1: yet this family, which is supposedly game, a tennis is it? What's family. What's the beautiful game? The beautiful game. Is it golf? golf? I don't think of it as very beautiful, no. personally. I think it uses a lot of land. Yeah. Um, ha- you, you know what we haven't brought up here? that I'm, I'm not quite sure what it is, but you heard about the pickleball craze?
0: No, is pickleball back in a big way?
1: Pickleball got on the rise during the pandemic and is now it's uh, in in full swing. There are pickleball uh, courts and stuff opening in New York and such. I don't quite know how to play other than it seems like it's kind of tennis, kind of ba- like bi- like giant table tennis. Yes. A.K.A. tennis. But you actually do it standing up, right? Yeah. I, I would like to investigate. I'm down for lawn, lawn sports of any kind. I think it's democratic. You can like set it up anywhere. I don't know. Um, if you play pickleball, let me know.
0: We do have show, show news, momentous show news, which is that Molly will be going to the U.S. Open.
1: I finagled myself.
0: In the, in the silliest way possible. In
1: the, the greatest way possible. I You know, I, I did some begging for sponsorships. Uh, turns out, you know, a podcast with a monthly listenership of like a thousand or whatever. I'm going to claim a thousand. Sure um is not attractive to blue chip sponsors like Grey Goose and, uh, and American Express Citibank. I shot my shot, you know, someone might take a chance on an on an unknown kid. Take a chance on me. Take a chance. Uh but I then tweeted once I found out. So here's the thing. I signed up for the US Opens like fan portal and I get emails now constantly about fan stuff. Yes. One of the emails was like Dnce Dunce, the band, is playing uh at the US Open and all the tickets are free. Claim your ticket. And then of course I go and like they're all gone. I was like, Oh, that sucks and I tweeted, Oh, I wish I could go see Dunce and then someone tweeted at me and was like, I claimed I got a ticket that I can't use because 'cause I'm my flight got changed or something and she transferred me her ticket. Oh nice. And now I'm going. Yes. Thank you, internet. I,
0: I didn't realize that it was just an, uh, an internet stranger. I thought you like applied to something. No,
1: it was someone who I think was maybe just searching Twitter for um, people who were like, please. Who's any- t-
0: anybody tweeting about dunce at the please, US please. Open?
1: But uh, I'm, I'm fucking hype. I already know what outfit I'm going to wear. I have, a te- I have a tennis dress I'll wear. Um, I'll catch the vibe of the ground, see if there's any like exhibition matches I, going on. Is,
0: you, is there going to be any tennis going on on Friday? Yes, I okay. think I
1: think there's so, like for uh, example, there's something maybe tomorrow that's like Andy Roddick is playing. Ooh, I know that. Name. But he's like obviously, so it's like things like people who are old and past their prime will still like play for charity and like fun. wave
0: and sign pictures and
1: stuff. Or like I think young people might play matches. So. I'll check out the vibes. We'll see what's up. I might,
0: pending timing and how much of this thirty years of war scripts I get done, might come out and just wander around and basically treat it like a music festival ground with you. Yeah. Until the evening starts and then I have other obligations. Yes,
1: uh, but I'm excited. I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping it'll be fun. But Molly will give it. the
0: full report of just hanging out at the U.S. Open.
1: Yeah. Um I'll do my gonzo gonzo journalism. Um hey, do you want
0: to take my little microphone and maybe do some on the ground rec- records? I
1: feel so terrible if it got confiscated at security. It
0: it costs like it's very cheap. Uh, and what are they it's it's you have a phone that's basically a microphone. I
1: know, it's true. I will I I can record some I can do some field recordings and okay, really great. produce it out if we want. Um but I'm excited to to check out the tennis.
0: Well, you gotta see the tennis and
1: the other thing I would like to try to acquire and I'm gonna keep an eye on oh it, yeah the Grey Goose is yes. well no I was gonna I was gonna say the giant tennis ball
0: oh you could get a selfie with the giant tennis ball but can you get the Grey Goose specialty cocktail I as think well so. I hope so great uh, this is all this and is all my for,
1: favorite band Dunce
0: Dunce you're gonna eat cake by the ocean cake
1: by the ocean
0: by <laughs> City Field
1: I don't know a single other Dunce song. but I'm going
0: to bet they have at least a few bangers. Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, that Cake by the Ocean song is, uh, sorry to mix some and intro into your, uh, and introducing into your Infinite Cast, but that Cake by the Ocean song is stupid, but it is very, very catchy.
1: It's very catchy. You can't can't deny Cake by the Ocean. No.
0: Anyway, so uh, after nearly two years of this, uh, we will have at least one of our field reports from a genuine tennis event. Yeah. Uh, we can go or you can go. You can think about what what the game means, uh, w- what it says about the world. Yeah. Addiction. You can report back about how over mediated it is.
1: Yeah. Tennis, tennis vibes,
0: tennis vibes, the tennis vibe report.
1: Also, you know what? Uh, I can wear there. You you know I got a perfume that has, has notes of tennis ball. Really, it's called the soft lawn. Nice. So I'll wear that, and that that way, no one will be able to um see me. Here's far a pitch.
0: Away. Here's a good pitch for a uh entrepreneurial entrepreneurizing uh perfumer, a, a a scent called Infinite Jest.
1: Infinite. Wow. Well, hmm. What does it smell like?
0: Um. Infinity. <laughs> Uh, I'd be mean, tennis balls, tennis balls, tennis balls. Uh, uh, alcohol, crank, crank. You know cocaine, how alcohol is like wild a, a turkey. Scent. Uh, yeah, hints of whiskey.
1: Something. Hey, it's like Hal says when um uh, he walks in on himself's micro- microwave disaster. Something smells delicious. <laughs> that's the t- that's the tagline. Chess, that's something, something smells delicious. delicious.
0: That'd be very funny.
1: Not a lot of things have sense other than like garbage and blood blood and alleyways full of waste i mean i do feel
0: like it, it the book does have like a stale bostonian set it's legal seafood legal
1: the buttery lobster lobster butter uh can we go to legal seafood
0: is there where's the closest legal seafood
1: probably boston probably
0: boston is there not like an outpost down here i
1: don't know Legal let me
0: Okay, let me look this up real quick, and this will be our last bit for this episode. Okay. Um, I haven't checked our email in forever on mm. this thing. Uh, you can send us an email at theinfinitecastpod at gmail.com. Well, usually when we get emails, we shout them out, right?
1: Sometimes. We're somewhat consistent on that. Uh, somewhat inconsistent.
0: Looks like, yeah, it looks like they're only in Boston Metro.
1: Uh, if it's outside of Boston, then it's illegal.
0: It's there's something called Legal C, the letter bar. Legal C bar. Legal C bar. I assume that this is a, a bootleg or knockoff. That's the one that's the furthest outside Boston.
1: <laughs> that's down in Dedham. Um, ille- illegal. Illegal C bar. Illegal fru- 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 fruit. Fruit. Fruitumare. mar Um, unlawful. Um, <laughs> unlawful. Uh, marine. Uh. T- treats unlawful marine treats unlawful marine treats.com unlawful marine treats your shrimp your bet ba- your outlaw sh- outlaw shrimp oh
0: god well if you went to a place that had a menu item called outlaw shrimp would you not be intent uh, i'd have to at least to get it
1: yeah i would ask for one for them to bring me one outlaw shrimp in a tiny tiny uh um, i'm
0: imagining like a, a like a glazed bourbon barbecue shrimp
1: Ooh, oh, I thought, outlaw shrimp! I was thinking like garlic and like um, spicy, like a red, like pepper flakes, like yeah. a, a spicy, smoky red sauce.
0: All right, well, we're gonna have to come up with a signature dish called outlaw shrimp.
1: Out- outlaw shrimp—it's for the people who don't play by the rules. Outlaw shrimp. All right. Outlaw shrimp. <laughs> we'll talk to you hopefully before before even a full week has passed. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.